Welcome to Straight Talk with Kathy, your go-to source for health and wellness discussions from one of our country's leading motivational speakers, Kathy Robinson Pickett. And now, without further delay, here's Straight Talk with Kathy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Straight Talk with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy Robinson Pickett. And I'm a woman with something to say. Welcome to our new season, 2014-2015. It's awesome to have you guys back with us. We've had a great summer. Um, Lots of things have happened. Uh, I've really been swamped, actually. So it's really great to have time to sit down and talk to you guys today. My summer started off awesome. My daughter um, graduated with her master's degree in May. And my son finished his bachelor's degree in August. So I'm a mother with no college tuitions for at least a year. Woohoo! How happy is that? Anyway, um, there's been a lot happening in the news. And certainly the biggest thing right now and the thing that I want to talk about today is what's going on with the NFL and not just the NFL, but society in general, sports in general, college football, basketball, baseball, I don't care what we're talking about bad behavior and what it's lending to and um, why our young women are being party to this whole thing that's going on. So um, I know most of you listen to the news a lot and I know that those of you that know me know that my brain has been wrapped around this whole scandal in the NFL. Um, First, what I'd like to say is if you are in a dangerous situation, no one ever has the right to hit you, to degrade you, to talk badly to you, to hurt you. Um, Please know there is lots of help out there. We have lots of help information on our website, and I will be posting that regularly as the year goes through. Um, And you certainly can always email us or message the show, and we will get you the resources that you need to find someplace to help you and to get to somewhere safe. What we know about domestic violence is... um, or spousal abuse, or child abuse, elder abuse, it knows no boundaries. It knows no socioeconomic boundary, no race, no religious, no ethnic boundaries. It happens across the board. But what we do know is that penalties aren't always doled out equally. And I think we all can agree that if what happened in the elevator um, a few weeks ago, well, obviously it happened a couple of months ago and has just made the news a lot in the last few weeks. But if we saw that happen to just an average Joe on the street, we know the police would have been called, the man would have been arrested, and hopefully there would have been serious consequences to pay instead of deciding whether or not he gets to play in a couple of football games. Um, so we know that punishment is not often doled out equally. Um, it's scary. In my own little world, um, lots of you know that I stayed in a bad marriage for a really long time. And people always ask, why do you stay? That's the first thing people ask is, why did you stay? Why were you still there? And what I want to tell you is, when somebody tells to you, says to you, you don't know what could happen if I leave, you don't know what can happen if someone leaves. In my case, my um, now ex-husband would tell me that he could shoot me from a half a mile away with a scope on a gun and nobody would know it was him. And I kind of believed him. That was, that was for sure. 
That's not why I stayed, however. In my case, I don't mind telling you why I stayed. I stayed because I felt guilty. There was no place that I didn't speak about HIV and the work that I was doing that someone didn't say to me, how do you sleep at night knowing you infected your husband? How do you sleep knowing that your husband may die? Don't you feel responsible? Don't you feel guilty? And the more people said that to me, the more absolutely I felt those emotions and the more guilty I felt, there was no way I was going to tell anybody what was happening in my home. There was no way I was going to leave. And um, it took a catastrophic event for me to pack up my children and go. And even after that catastrophic event, I still took care of him. I still made his dinner, fixed his food on Sundays, put it in the refrigerator, washed his clothes, made his doctor's appointments. It wasn't until he showed up with a gun one day and I thought my life was going to end and maybe my children's that I decided a divorce was indeed what I needed to to do. And luckily for me, that divorce went well. And he actually made some better choices, not great choices, but he made better choices. And um, I didn't feel that my life was in danger um, anymore after that. So I was certainly one of the lucky ones. When we talk about domestic violence, domestic abuse, oftentimes people want to know, well, where did it start? How did it start? And the reality is that it's been woven through the fabric of time since man and woman hit the planet. When I used to teach these classes a lot, I used to go back and there's a, um, there's several proverbs that people would use in different cultures. There was a Chinese proverb that said, um, women are like gongs and should be beaten regularly. There was a Latin American proverb, a man who's manly enough to beat his wife is not really a man if he doesn't do it twice. Um, we all know people take quotes out of the Bible to justify their behaviors. Ye wives, be in subjection to your husbands. Spare the rod, spoil the child. All of those kinds of things. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I used to use in these classes was um, from one of our forefathers in the United States. And he said, um, nature has given women so much power that man smartly gives her none. And he was talking about having the um, right to vote and women in, in, you know, being equal to men in that aspect. Um, actually, it said men very wisely gives her none. That was the quote. So, you know, there's lots of stuff where people talk about it throughout the course of time. I think in our nation, there were two times that we started talking about spousal abuse or um, not just spousal abuse, but abuse in committed relationships, whether those are married, partnered, um, whatever. And the first was during the ERA movement. Um, if you go back and look through journals and those kinds of things, you'll find lots of information where people were talking about it. And the second, another big sports event, O.J. Simpson. And whether O.J. did or didn't, it shined a light on the the cause um, in our country and the things that were happening. So just briefly today, I want to talk about um, how do we change those behaviors? What are those behaviors? Who's at risk of those behaviors? Those kinds of things. First off, when bad behaviors begin, they have to be stopped immediately. There has been a lot, a lot of stuff in the press the last couple of weeks about the quarterback at Florida State. Most of you, lots of you who know me, know I bleed garnet and gold. I am a diehard Seminole fan. However, I would have benched our little quarterback for a whole lot more than a game. 
Now, some of you are going to say, well, Kathy, he only repeated something he saw on the internet or a meme that was going around. It was vulgar and degrading, but, you know, no big deal. Well, that young man has a pattern of bad behavior. Not anything so major that he's paid a big price. He stole some crab legs. He shot some windows with a BB gun. He stood up and hollered very vulgar things about women. But there's been a pattern of behavior, and it's been building and building and building. I said to someone um, just this week that if my son had ever stolen crab legs, accidentally or not, from a grocery store, for a month, he would have been in that grocery store at night, mopping those floors um, free of charge, remembering that he never walks out of a store with stuff. If my son had spoken those words that that, that young man said to other women or in public, um, I don't care if he was 300 pounds and 6'5", his mother would have been there uh, teaching him that he never spoke to women that way. And it's really important that those messages not start when somebody's 20, that those messages start when somebody's 12 and the bad behavior begins to show itself. We have lots and lots of incidents in the news in the last six months. I'm not going to talk about that. What I am going to talk about is what constitutes domestic violence, what constitutes bad behavior. First off, physical abuse. We all think we know what physical abuse is when we see it. We know that's what it is. We see someone's handprint on someone's face, on their arms. Um, what I will tell you is abusers, young and old, whether it's spousal Elder, child abuse, it doesn't matter. They don't want to get caught. So if you see a pattern of bruises, you have one of two kinds of perpetrators. You have a serial perpetrator who's gone from victim and victim and paid no prices. Or you have a perpetrator who has been perpetrating so long on that victim that they're not afraid of what the consequences may be. I will tell you that you don't see physical abuse oftentimes when it's occurring. People don't want to be caught, so they hit people where they can't see it, where other people can't see it. They punch them in their kidneys, they pull their hair, they twist their arms. The worst case of physical abuse I've ever been involved in, years ago, I was teaching one day at Holmes Regional Medical Center in Melbourne. My pager, before cell phones, was going off 911, and it was a domestic violence shelter in South Florida, and they said, Kathy, we need you to come here today. We have somebody we need you to meet. It was five hours away, but I got in my car. I, I knew there was an urgency. I got in my car, and I showed up at the shelter. This woman met me at the door. She was stately. She was very attractive, early 40s, dressed very well, fancy jewelry on. My first instinct as, as a person was, why are you here? Not that you shouldn't be living in the situation, but why are you here in this shelter in the middle of nowhere? As it turns out, this woman had been married to a very famous doctor, in California for a number of years. He would come home at night and he would restrain her and he would put needles under her fingernails and under her toenails. What made her leave was he began doing it to their 14-year-old daughter, but what made her run was when they went to court, he was able to hire a psychiatrist to say she was crazy, that these things never happen. What I will tell you is the daughter and the wife had calluses under their fingernails and their toenails that could not have been made up. No, they hadn't told their preacher. No, they hadn't told their parents. No, they hadn't told their friends. Why? Because they were scared and they were embarrassed. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means other people didn't realize it was happening. Verbal abuse, you're an idiot. You're ugly. Without me, you'd be nothing. We all know that when we hear it. 
We hear people speak to their children that way on Walmart sometimes, walking down the aisles. Yet does anybody stop to say, hey, can I help you with your child today? Is there something I could do? Not usually. But as those patterns of abuse begin, when children are young, they know no other way to speak to people when they grow older. And so oftentimes that's the first sign that people have been victims. They are able, unable to distinguish how they now speak to people. Emotional abuse, emotional abuse is withholding affection, it's withholding attention, it's withholding that attaboy. A child comes home with a report card, they have four A's and one B, and the dad goes, not, yahoo, let's go to Dairy Queen. Instead, it's what the heck did you do to get that B? Emotional abuse gets to the core of a human being. It sets up a pattern to weaken their spirit, to weaken how they feel about themselves. I can tell you that my perpetrator was really good at that. He told me repeatedly that no one would ever want to see me or touch me again because I had HIV. So I might as well stay with him because no one else ever would. Well, he was wrong. Most of you know I've gone on to <coughs> not marry once, but marry twice since then. So <coughs> sorry, I crack my own self up sometimes. At any rate, emotional abuse oftentimes leaves much bigger scars than physical abuse. Sexual abuse, no one has a right to ask you to do something sexually that you do not want to do. It's just as simple as that. We live in a culture that sometimes people think a marriage license is a license to have sex. It's not. You have a right to say no. And no means no, even though Rush Limbaugh doesn't necessarily agree with that. When it comes to sex, you're responsible for you. You're responsible for your body and you're responsible for the choices you make. We're all familiar with rape and sexual assault. And we will talk about that throughout this season. A lot of times people don't feel like they're a victim of sexual assault because it was their boyfriend or it was their husband or it was someone that they went and had dinner with and maybe they owed them that. Sexual abuse can occur between two males, two females, a male, female. A female can be the perpetrator as well as a male and oftentimes people aren't really aware of that. As the season goes on, we'll certainly talk about dating safety. That's going to be one of our biggest topics this season. So I hope that you'll send your questions, that you'll ask stuff, so that we can be prepared for our next show to talk about that. Economic abuse. Economic abuse is about power and control where the money strings are attached. Oftentimes when we think about economic abuse, we think of a spousal relationship where people bring home Two paychecks, one person takes all the money and doles out an allowance and says, this is what you have to buy groceries for six people on for a week. That is absolutely economic abuse. The economic abuse I want to talk about is the ones that sometimes people who are my students, people who are children that I've been involved in in their lives have been party to in their own homes. Oftentimes, people want to control someone's destiny based on the money and the income that they bring in to the relationship. One day I was sitting in my office at Florida Southern years ago. I had a young man come in and sit in my office and he just looked terrible. It was close to the holidays. And I said, honey, what's the matter? And he said, Kathy, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go to med school. I said, well, what do you want to be? And he said, I think I would like to go into psychology. And I said, well, that's no big deal. You're a junior. We can change your major. Everything you've taken up to this point is going to count. Let's get your major changed. And he said, Kathy, I can't do that. 
You don't understand. My father will cut me off. He will never have anything to do with me again. I said, honey, that can't be so. Parents say things they don't really mean. A psychology degree? That's a reputable degree. You're not trying to be an underwater basket weaver. He said, no, Kathy, you don't understand. Well, every day for a week, this young man came into my office. I finally convinced him that we needed to call his parents and have a conversation. I didn't know his parents. I knew very little about them. I knew both of them were doctors, and I knew they lived in Florida, and I knew they had a son that was in medical school at this time, and then this son who was in my office. So I finally convinced him, so we made arrangements with his parents to call, and I was sitting in my office, and I was dialing the long-distance number on my phone, and I was about to hit seven, the number seven on the phone, and the young man said to me, Kathy, I probably should tell you my mama hasn't practiced medicine since the day my brother was born. Well, I probably needed that information before I had made this call because what woman goes to med school and doesn't practice medicine for 20 years? So as the parents got on the phone, the dad didn't let mom talk at all. And basically the dad said, if you change your major, don't ever come home. And so I started talking to the father, trying to explain to him the mental health of his son was not good at this moment. The man didn't care. He said, I mean it. Your stuff will be in the mail. Don't come back. Sure enough, this man shipped this kid a box full of stuff to the college, and he meant, don't ever come back. Well, we worked well hard with this kid. We got him some help. We got him some counseling. He graduated from college, and he went on to get a master's degree in psychology. But it's been six or seven years, and his father has never spoken to him since that day. That's much bigger than economic abuse, but that's a real show of how people can try to control someone's life through money. It's a big deal. The last kind of abuse I want to talk about before we run out of time really quick is the abuse that we self-impose upon ourselves. Self-imposed isolation when you start dating someone new, when you get married, when you're in a relationship and you stop seeing your friends, you stop talking to your friends, you stop even emailing them because maybe your boyfriend is really jealous of that. At first, that seems like, oh, man, he loves me so much. But all of a sudden, you realize you're completely isolated from everybody that you knew before because you've just quit having contact with them. Social media has made that really easy for people to find out what you're doing. People pick up other people's cell phones and they scroll through their data and they see who they're talking to. They see the messages they've sent. So people stop doing it because they're afraid that the person they're with may get angry or upset or may break up or whatever, that's not an okay situation to find yourself in. There is so much more that I want to share with you today. If you're a parent listening to this and you're concerned about your young adult, your college-age student, please reach out. There is so much information on the website. If you are a young adult and you find yourself in a bad situation, know that there is help out there for you. If you're on a college campus, there's tons of help. If you're in the community, there's not a community in this country that doesn't have a place that you can't reach out to and be able to get assistance. As this season goes on, this is going to be a primary topic that we talk about. If you have questions, information, or even resources that you would like us to share with other people, please send those to us and we will get them out there. We will get them on air. We will make them available for people. This is a short way of saying there is a much bigger picture out there. Please be open to looking for help and looking for help for people that you care about. 
As we come to a close, I'd like you to remember that you can reach us um, at Gmail at straighttalkwithkathy at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at straighttalkpod. You can reach our website at straighttalkwithkathy.com. You can reach our Facebook page at Straight Talk with Kathy. So there's no reason not to get the questions to us or not to get us anything you want us to know. So until next time, be the boss of your brain.